0: Thank you Sarah and thank you everyone for joining us on the topic of positive safety and we've had a really good response to this webinar so it seems like it's an area of focus for a number of different individuals and organisations. So, the big focus of positive safety today is looking at how we can shift the focus of safety from compliance to to more culture, uh, and, and using safety as a positive lever for positive change. So uh, we, uh, Sarah did a great job of introducing me. Uh, we'll jump into the webinar in just a moment, but firstly, we would like to take this opportunity to do an acknowledgement of country. So Senus acknowledges uh, traditional custodians throughout Australia and recognize their connections to the land, waters and community. We acknowledge, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we meet today and pay our respects to elders past and present. We extend that respect to, the, to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here today we do this because we value Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history, culture and knowledge. <clears throat> OK, so today we are focusing on how we can deliberately drive a positive safety culture within our organisation. And there are a few resources that we'll be aiming to share. We're going to try and get this particular checklist up into the chat, I believe. If, it's, if we can't get into the chat, we'll uh, circulate it later on. This is just a, a bit of a tool that you can use for uh, collaborating and, and review, reviewing your own culture. If after this, con- if after this webinar you wanted to have a conversation within your business, uh, for those of you who aren't uh, familiar with Sentis, uh, we are a organisation with a mission to change the lives of individuals and organisations for the better every day. We do that through the application of psychology and neuroscience to in. To, increase safety, uh, to improve safety culture. So a particular focus on uh, how to create fantastic safety leaders, how to get greater team engagement and safety, but also looking at the systems in which leaders and, and teams operate within ensuring that work is enabled and, and that people can flourish within the environments in which they work. So today we're gonna cover off on, on, as I said, the concept of positive safety and what that means and how it can be applied practically within your organization. But to kick this off, I'd like to start with a bit of a poll to see where everyone's at. Um, So the poll asks, how does the average worker in your organization experience safety? So do they think that safety is a backside covering exercise by management who only care when things go wrong? Do they see safety as a necessary evil? They do the the bare minimum to manage themselves. Do they see safety as critical uh, to looking out for colleagues or do they actually see safety as uh, as an opportunity for more organisational commitment and to improve things overall? So, again, if you were to jump inside the shoes of your average worker out there in the field and you were to try and imagine how some of them may be envisaging safety, what do you think would be the predominant mindset when it comes to safety? And then uh, once we've got this poll completed, we'll share what some of our research show, uh, showed around this as well.
1: Okay, we'll just give it about five more seconds. Sorry if that forces everyone to think too quickly. Perfect.
0: Okay. All right, and the results are in. So we can see that the vast majority of people on the line today, in those first two categories, it's a necessary evil or a bit of a backside covering exercise. So how's my mass? We're looking at about 78% of respondents sit within that category. Uh, I know we can see a couple of organisations where they've been able to to create a culture where people can sort of see the why and what's in it for them and their peers a little bit more. They're really interesting results and they're actually fairly reflective of the work that we've been doing Globally, over the last number of years, so if you sat within those first two categories, um, people within those categories would normally view their safety culture as predominantly negative. i.e., it's something that's done to them. It's all about um, avoid moving away from harm. They, they they feel that safety is something that's potentially sort of imposed on to them. They might feel that there's inconsistencies around cult- the way culture is led and managed. So. of organisations, as we've found in our research, uh, operate from a negative safety culture. And what we've actually done next is we've captured the sorts of comments that we hear from people operate from a negative safety culture. And they look like this. Uh, I can get my slide going. Uh, No one really cares about safety that much. It's all about policies, procedures, rules, and guidelines. It's a backside covering exercise. There's some colourful language, as you can hear. you know, uh, you've got, uh, yeah, safety uh, is below production. Uh, If something goes wrong, there's a blame game. Uh, People having negative experiences around reporting, fear-based motivations for safety. Um, uh, People are being fired and and heavily disciplined because of safety. Uh, Really some significant air quality issues in in one particular site there, as you can see. Uh, And often a sense, that something significant needs to occur before safety is taken seriously. Now, if we apply this particular model, uh, or that, those particular attitudes to a really crucial model uh, that we use all the time, you can see how these attitudes can play out on a day-to-day basis. So for those of you who aren't familiar with this model, this is an attitudes, behavior, results model that we use a lot in the, in the work that we do with the organizations that we partner with and what this model says is that our attitudes the way we think and feel drives our behavior and then that that determines our results and often those results are reinforce those attitudes and you tend to find that this this model spirals spirals in a particular direction now this model is really relevant and really important uh, when you place goals to it because uh if you've got a particular goal, but our attitudes aren't matching that goal, you can actually find that individual attitudes shift away from the goal. And as a result, the culture shifts away from the goal. And you can sort of see from some of those comments how an organization might espouse, uh, I guess, uh, a value of safety and, and really focus on maybe uh, reducing the lag indicators around safety. But if their behaviors don't marry up, um, to, I guess, the language they're using the results that they say that they're sharing, then the attitudes of the organization will be reflected, uh, will, will start to shift in a negative way. So as an example, if I feel that safety is purely done as a backside covering exercise by management and they only care when something goes wrong or they only care when the production pressure isn't too high, what we tend to see from a behavior perspective is that people, Uh, Will be less likely to follow policies and procedures and rules and guidelines and, in fact, less likely to put in discretionary effort around safety because safety is something that's done to them and it's not something that they perceive that is more broadly valued. The result of that is a typically more unsafe culture, we see more incidents more accidents and and, and things like that occur. Now if the management then responds to, to that behavior with an attitude of again blame and punishment you can see how this model can start to feed back within itself and organizations get really stuck. They get really stuck in in a space of safety where they feel like they're just going round and round in a circle and anything they do as a safety initiative is short lived and and, and low impact. And you get that kind of concept that, that safety is a sugar hit. Why is that happening and what can we do about it? So, That's a big part of this positive safety focus, shifting the focus of safety from being something that's done to people, this kind of negative kind of orientation that we commonly see play out, being all about this kind of stuff on the screen to one that people can see the value in and that that encourages leaders to think, I guess, more broadly and more holistically around what it actually means to create a safe environment for people. Because what we're going to suggest is that the way that people experience safety is probably more than the physical kind of safety that we typically focus on within organizations. I think when you talk to safety departments, you do risk assessments and all those sorts of things. Again, it's about managing often physical hazards that can you know, permanently disable, disfigure, or, or even you know, harm, harm people into the future. And obviously that's really, really important. We do not want to be hurting people. Um, and, and I think if you're on this call, you know, I, I'd be confident in saying that you've got a really strong value that you feel that, you know, the organization and leadership doing what it can to help keep people safe is really, really crucial. What we often don't necessarily think about as we're focusing on improving physical safety, and this is from sort of a lot of research that we've done. And, and I think the regulator has, in fact, acknowledged this as well, is that, In focusing on physical safety, it can be actually quite easy to overlook psychological safety and also social safety. So when we talk about social safety, we're talking about the sense of security that people have in their relationships and interactions with others. So do they feel like they've got strong relationships with their peers, um, that sense of collaboration and engagement? They feel like their leaders value and respect them? Are they clear from bullying and harassment? Uh, you know, do they feel pressured to do things that they don't feel comfortable doing? All those sorts of elements would fit into the social category, and the psychological category uh, talks to the extent to which individuals feel confident to express their thoughts and opinions without uh, negative consequences. So, do people feel like they can speak up and and offer suggestions, stop work, uh, even take calculated risks uh, around you know new ways of innovating and putting things together without feeling like there's going to be unwanted, uh, unwanted consequences for them. So what we're really encouraging through the concept of positive safety, and again, reinforced by some of the newly refreshed legislation in Australia and, and, and probably more broadly through things like the ISO the ISO um, 45003 and, and, and things like that is looking at safety more broadly than physical and considering in every decision that we make, the psychological and social um, implications and opportunities that are tied to the way that we lead safety. So what, we're, what, we've, uh, what we know from the research we've done is that there's a huge overlay between each of these. And each of these elements of safety have the ability to add value to the other, but also subtract from one another and, and, and actually create, I guess, less safety more broadly for the individual. So um, if we were to take an example of this, um, I attended a, a pre-start meeting a little while ago with the lines company. Uh, and this particular Lions company was talking about positive communications between uh, people in the bucket and and people on the ground. And um, and particularly when they're around busy streets and, and different things like that. Now finding that you know, they were yelling up and down at the time and they were, they're having trouble hearing. They felt like there was a risk of of things being potentially missed. So there's a very strong focus on increasing the physical safety waltz on the job site. Um. And yeah. Really great conversation. Now the leader kicked off by then inviting the, the the group at the toolbox talk to participate in a conversation. Uh. And and talk about well, what can we do to innovate this, make it make it better, yeah, you know, make it more useful. Actually, yeah. In that moment, I think you beauty, you know this. This leaders, you know, creating a space for psychological and social safety. You know, we've got an opportunity here. So a couple of people throw out ideas. He's facilitating the conversation well and going, yes, this is, you know, we're getting positive momentum. Then an apprentice speaks up uh, and offers, he's a gamer and he offered a sort of a, a solution around headsets. And the way the leader responded to him was to say, mate, you've been here for 15 minutes. You don't know what you're talking about. Pull your head in. no one wants to hear about your stupid gaming. You know, the group laughs, that particular person is diminished. And in fact, the whole conversation stopped there. No one else is willing to speak up from that particular moment. So in the course of one conversation, I actually saw a leader facilitating a conversation that had the the ability to improve the overall physical, social and psychological safety of the group and then diminished it down to zero in a second. And there'll be many, many, many examples of this that play out. And not not all like that, Yeah, if we think about incident investigations, the way we conduct an incident investigation will impact on not only physical controls that may be put into uh, in in the future, but how people experience social and psychological safety. and, And the list of these goes on. The objective is if a leader in an organization can be thinking more holistically about safety, more completely about safety, and, and encompassing all these areas and definitions of safety, we well, actually have an opportunity to increase individual and organizational resilience, reliability, capacity, and overall discretionary effort. So, by discretionary effort, we're talking about people going above and beyond for safety, going above and beyond for the organization. So, we think there's a huge opportunity for a lot of organizations to redefine safety, particularly again, in the light of the, legis- uh, the new refreshed legislation, uh, and, and focus on safety more holistically, including all these areas, because the, the area, all areas of safety impact on one another so significantly. So that is how an individual may experience safety on a day-to-day basis. But of course, how an individual experiences safety, you know, that, that doesn't happen in a void. Uh, that happens within a culture which people operate within. <laughs> so uh, at Centis, we use this model adopted adapted from some of the work from uh, Dr. Scott Geller uh, that talks about the, to- uh, the total safety culture model. And what this total safety culture model does is gives us a useful high-level reference point to think about the different aspects of safety culture that may influence on how an individual experiences and engages with safety. <clears throat> so to break this down a little bit more, uh, you can see there's four components so, so the four components include the, the person component. So this is individual skills, teamwork, intelligence, motivation, attitudes and abilities. We've got practices so this is your policy procedures, your rule, your risk assessments, your toolbox talks, training safety interactions. Uh, we've got the environment, Uh, So it's mostly your physical controls, plus your housekeeping, your engineering, your planning, designing. And you can see around the outside of that model, the grey line of leadership. Now, a big focus um, of this model and a big focus of creating a positive safety culture sits with leadership. Because leadership will impact on each, every other element of the safety culture model uh, in the way that they build a strong foundation for safety to make sure that they've got the basics to, to do the job well by making database decisions, keeping safety simple, focusing on, on making decisions, uh, using the safety data that's provided to them to make an organizational impact, leading with the vision, being curious and having the good stuff. The leader, The way leaders interpret and lead around the other elements of safety are going to have such a huge impact not only on the way people experience physical safety, but psychological safety, and of course, social safety. So let's talk a little bit about culture and cultural maturity. Uh, And and, uh, if you've got your your phone with you, there is an opportunity for a bit of interaction. If you've got your phone, you can scan the screen there and that'll, that's a QR code. Just put you, your camera on, scan it, and then click the link on the, on the screen and that will open up a, a safety culture uh, maturity quiz. So this is a little bit of a self-assessment that gives you a heat map about where your culture will be at and it will give you a, a bit of a cultural gauge across each of those four elements of safety culture. And again, it's not a, a, a comp- comprehensive and complete uh, measure of your culture, uh, but it is just a little bit of a quiz to get you starting to have a think about, well, where might your organisation be, sit, be sitting across all of these areas? So when we uh, talk about safety culture at Senus, we talk about these five levels of safety culture maturity. And within one organisation, you may have all five of these areas, but you'll have a, a sort of a, an area on average where the organisation will sit. The usefulness in a model like this is as an internal anchoring point particularly when you break down culture into its antecedents or its drives, you can then be quite targeted in how you target initiatives. But to give you a high level of this model and how it inter- interacts with how individuals experience safety at counterproductive, what we're experiencing around safety is that safety is very much something that is done to people. People don't feel like the company actually cares that much about safety and in turn, don't tend to value safety that much themselves. Uh, And in these cultures, you'll tend to kind of get a a focus of every person out for themselves and not a a great amount of team unity and focus on organisational outcomes. At public compliance, you've probably got a management team that has been told it needs to drive safety um, and and will do so. Yeah, It'll often be a sort of a fear and blame and punishment approach to safety. uh, And the result will be of this sort of top-down approach to safety that you'll get different safety behaviors when management is and isn't looking. You may even get different safety behaviors depending on the amount of production pressure that an organization is experiencing, because you might find that leaders in these environments turn a blind eye if we've got to get something online to hurry and there's commercials tied to that. At private compliance, you're starting to see a shift. This is the sort of the turning point For organizations at at private compliance, you're starting to see the personal why and what's in it for me around safety. So you do start to get more independent buy-in to safety. At collaborative, you're starting to see teams work together to solve problems and look out for one another. You're starting to see greater levels of psychological safety and trust and social safety. So people feel like they they can have conversations about what's best for each other and what's best for the business. And at citizenship, you've actually sort of broken through to that really awesome level where teams are solving problems, but then rolling it up to an organizational level so that the more the, the whole organization can benefit. Uh, and and you know, you're working towards that common goal of safe and productive outcomes, and you start to see more uh, discretionary effort and a more sense of a shared responsibility around safety. So... We've been doing this at, at uh, this culture kind of work at Centis for 20 years, and I've been at centres doing that culture work for about 15 of those years. And what we see over and over and over again is that organisations stall at that counterproductive and public compliance space. And what we're seeing as the big opportunity here for organisations is they get stuck or they get stalled because they forget to focus on creating a psychological and socially safe environment, that supports people to actually push past private compliance and to be able to collaborate and to be able to share learnings more broadly. And, yeah, when you get stuck in those lower levels, it feels like a constant game of whack-a-mole where you're just solving problems and, and resolving issues and policing safety all of the time. And, and, and I think when you get stuck at this point, you know, often it's driven out of like frustration and even a sense of futility where it's like, well, if only these people like, sense of futility, maybe, yeah, what's wrong with people? Why do they keep making these mistakes? And there's that real headspace and that real sense that the people within your organization are an army of problems that need to be fixed and, and, and need to be resolved. And, and whenever that is a, an underlying attitude or headspace for leaders, you're going to get stuck at that public compliance space, because to break through to that next threshold, we need to be thinking about safety again, more broadly than just physical safety. So I'll unpack that a little bit more. So what does that look like to start to to create that shift and that bounce and a breakthrough that private compliance space? So when we talk about culture, when we think about culture, a really easy way or a high level way of thinking about culture and that cutoff point is to think about the cultures on the left being predominantly externally locust around safety so externally locust about safety refers to the driver for improved safety and performance being something that sits outside of me um, again we're doing this just because we have to be compliant we're doing this because the board has told us to we're doing this because the regulator has cracked down on this at the moment. Um, we're doing this because uh, our insurance costs have gone through the roof. And what tends to happen when you've got external motivators to drive particular behaviors is that leaders and organizations will focus on on, on not shifting it to an... Uh, uh, we'll focus on external controls to continue to, to, to try and improve things. And you get stuck in this circular piece where you know, we want people to take on more responsibility, more accountability, but we're not really creating an environment that supports that because of the way we're conducting that. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, in, in the cost kind of co- culture, we're focusing on what not to do. So lots of lots of conversations out there about don't get hurt, don't do this, don't break that rule. You know, uh, a huge focus on the absence of harm. Don't get hurt. You know, that, like that's what safety is about. Safety is an absence of harm. Don't get hurt, no matter what you do. It's lag indicator focus. It's about correct and control. Uh, it's about blaming often. Uh, it's really error and mistake focused. You know, you're going out there and you you you're hunting a mistake. Um, again, it, it, it tends to not only focus on a blame culture overall, but if something does go wrong, you know, who's the individual that's made accountable? And often that call will be coming right from the board, top down. It's about hiding issues and it's about black and white rules so you can see here yeah you know, all these things focus on consequences and 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 compliance uh, and look we do want compliance and um, yet there are some decisions that people make that will need to need to make consequences but If that is the only tool in our tool belt, if our only tool is a hammer, then everything becomes a nail and that's where organizations get stuck. What we are seeing organizations who are able to break through the private compliance threshold and and beyond start to think about and start to do is that they start to shift the conversation. It's more about empowerment. It's more about safety as a personal investment. There's more focus on the the why and the what's in it for me because the whole intent of shifting cultural maturity is to shift from a culture where we're having to police safety, where safety safety is something that people intrinsically value. You know, they're they're engaging in safe behaviors because they can understand the why and the what's in it for me. And they're looking out for their their work colleagues and and for the organization for very similar reasons. In order to do that, there's some certain things that these more mature organizations tend to focus on. They focus a lot on what to do. Now, it's not a focus on just don't get hurt no matter what you do. It's focusing on, well, we're gonna empower you to make safe choices through giving you some clear and and, and achievable behaviors or actions that you can engage with to increase the presence of safety for yourself and for the organization. There's a more significant focus on capacity and capability lots of conversations around empowering and collaborating. So we've got a problem to solve here. Um, How do we solve this together? Getting the workers most exposed to the risk or or doing the work involved in, in coming up with those conversations. It's not just about focusing on mistakes. It's also about learning from success and going out there and saying, well, every day we're probably walking past many, 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 many things that we're doing really well. So how do we hunt the good stuff learn from that and and expand it more broadly across the organization Take a more systemic view of safety and take best practice from one part and share it share it, share it across the business so that the systems of work that you're creating are you know, facilitate safer choices for the people that work within the business. It's about putting yourself in the shoes of the worker and as opposed to black and white rules it's it's really about creating a, a freedom within a framework so we we do want to provide you know clear guidelines clear expectations you know we need to educate people and, and give them training on what the risks what the hazards are what controls are what's within what's in their sphere of control and sphere of influence we also want to be able to create time and space for people to have conversations about how they solve problems and do it deliberately. Um, and you know, if the policy and procedure doesn't, doesn't work or doesn't fit and doesn't suit, you know, what's the freedom within the framework that we can provide that empowers them to make the right choice at the right time with the right level of supervision. So if you find that you're predominantly sitting within that red zone culture and you're looking to create a deliberate shift. To the green zone and, and I'm, I use the word deliberate ver, deliberately very uh, specifically and very carefully because unless it's done deliberately it won't shift people don't necessarily naturally have an internal locus of control it's easy to blame people it's easy to avoid avoid accountability unless you make a deliberate shift to that internal locus of control um, you, you're going to get more of whatever you're getting so how do you turn it how do you turn it around and how do you use safety as even a potential lever to improve culture more broadly so what have we seen done well safety is an absolute cracking opportunity to improve organizational culture more maturity uh more broadly and, and the reason for that is is for a few reasons one is safety is universal yeah you know, i think it's fair to make an assumption that most if, if not all of your employees don't go to work with the intent of getting harmed. Uh, Yes, there might be an odd percent here and there, but that's certainly not gonna be your your critical mass, particularly not in in modern society in Australia anyway. So safety is a universal that we can have as a unifying cause. It's a great opportunity for leaders to demonstrate care, tangible care and to demonstrate role model leadership. And in doing that, you're able to create a greater cultural reciprocity. People who feel respected are more likely to give respect. People who feel valued are more likely to value. So uh, yeah, if you're waiting for your teams just to one day flip the switch on this, it's not gonna happen. It starts with us as leaders.
1: Anthony, we might have lost your sound. Anthony, um, can you hear me? You are on mute. I don't know if that, but. Okay, well, we'll just hold on a second, everyone, if we can just sort out what is happening. All right, Sarah, is that
0: working? Yeah, that's working. A little bit different, but good enough. I've had a glitch. Apologies, everyone. Um, we're, We're learning on the fly here. Okay, so where do I get up to, Sarah? Had I explained this slide? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Anthony, I, I, I think Cassie might better tell you that, where, where are you up to? Um, yeah, we, we lost you probably halfway through the slide, so we so right, got great. halfway all there. Right. Yeah. So we'll kick back in. Thank you, everyone, for your patience. I'm, I'm back. Um, so thank you for hanging on, everyone. I will check out my hardware after this to see what's going on. So where I was up to was basically talking about that safety is a great lever uh, to move culture more broadly within an organization. So uh, it's a great unifying course because you can make the assumption that most people don't go to work to get hurt. It's a great opportunity for leaders to practically demonstrate care um, and and, uh, and people who feel care for are more likely to care back. So you create that sense of reciprocity. It's also a really practical way of leaders being able to demonstrate humility, respect and curiosity with people that they work with. In fact, safety goes back to what is at core to us as human beings. And uh, as a psychologist by training, I can't help but pull out an old psychology model. Now up here, we've got an adaptation of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And you know, safety um, actually is, is one of the core elements of what is crucial to us as human beings being able to Uh, function at our best um, at at all levels and and to to hit our optimised potential. So what are some ways that we can start to think about creating a positive safety culture? Well, we've done a bunch of lit reviews and our own studies and we've come up with these eight principles of, of a positive safety culture for you to consider and reflect on as part of your Uh, as part of your organization strategy. And again, all this will be made available to you you afterwards as well. So the eight principles are build a strong foundation, keep it simple, make database decisions, lead with a vision, actively care, be curious, make an impact and hunt good stuff. So let's unpack those a little bit more. If we start with lead a vision, um, lead with a vision, what we know from our own research, and if I flick ahead a slide, Is that organizations that are able to break through that private compliance space and move more into the collaborative and and beyond levels of mateship have a very, very strong safety mission and vision. Uh, Often that feeds through to the values of an organization. uh, And and the management team is bought in to that mission and vision. So you can see there that the, the significant impacts of safety mission and vision and management safety commitment can have on that ability to mature and organisational safety culture. So a good starting point here is have a clear safety mission and vision, link your behaviours and performance metrics to that vision, Um, use the vision regularly to make the right decisions and use safety as a lever uh, for positive cultural change and transformation. So if you've got safety as part of your vision, that's a, that's an automatic way of linking decisions and and the organizational outcomes to the why and the what's in it for me, for the people within the organization. One of the com- one of the uh, questions we will often get around leading with a vision is, you know, with high levels of turnover, particularly in the C suites of organizations, how do you maintain a vision? And, and I think a lot of that is about looking at well. How do you bring the vision and the values into your business strategy and into your everyday decision-making? If it's something that you're talking about as part of a routine, as part of your, your, your pre-starts or your toolbox talks or your strategy meetings or all those sorts of things, and you're bringing them to life and you're saying, okay, if we're making that decision, how does that align with that vision? Um, you'll find that there's an opportunity that you, you're bringing your vision and your values off the wall and you're operationalizing them. You can also reward and recognise around this. You can have vision and values, behavioural reward, reward and recognition tools. There's a whole bunch of different activities um, that you can do to bring the vision to life. Um, but I, I think having a plan and a strategy for that, for one, building the vision, getting that commitment and then, and then maintaining it is, is something that can create a, a great positive culture outcome. The next one is building a strong foundation. So. Again, what we're encouraging organisations to think about is to go back to their foundations of safety and say, all right, what's the lens we've been looking at safety with? And is it a holistic view of safety? Have we considered um, physical, psychological and social aspects of safety in the way we've designed work, provided resources and and have set safety up? Um, Have we enabled those elements of safety to come to life through giving our leaders and team members, the skills, the capacity, and the capability to actually engage and and, and understand what that means for them. And and a big part of understanding that experience is to take a a user view of the systems and the environment that people work with it. So you can do that through getting out in the field and seeing our pre-start meetings and toolboxes are run, talking to your people, asking them, you know, how physically, psychologically, and socially safe they feel in certain environments. And and you can also do things like culture and climate surveys, which uh, we're able to provide really clear and precise insights to people about uh, those three elements of safety and how people are experiencing that. And then you can build your strategies uh, to ensure that foundation is is rock solid. there has been a lot of talk about things like safety clutter and and, 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 uh, concepts like that. You know, again, our research and our experience is very much along the same lines. It's about how do you keep safety as simple as possible. So um, how do you rely less on administrative actions or more rules and and, and instead create mechanisms and forms for you don't have discussions and solve problems? again, coming back to that concept of freedom within a framework. Uh, how do we you know set those up um, in a way that we can create continuous improvement and 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 make positive changes and and lastly here, I think for a lot of organizations in creating that shift, focusing on the critical few is, is a really great opportunity. So with a lot of organizations we've been working with, we've really encouraged them to shift to a critical control focus um, and, and doing deep dives into high potential incidents as opposed to every incident that occurs. Um, and... and And what we've found is by focusing on those elements and telling that story that we're gonna focus on the most significant things that can harm us, we're not saying that the other incidents aren't important we don't wanna reduce them, but you can help people feel like they're contributing to things that will have the most significant impact on the organization. It also means that when we're going out there as leaders and having conversations, you've got much clearer anchoring points to have control verification or general infill interaction conversations around, and you can you can focus your feedback loop on those on those areas more clearly and get more uh, significant improvements more quickly. We actually had feedback from a recent organisation by creating that shift that then had a flow-on effect to the way and th- the way they ran incident investigations and the frequency they ran incident investigations. And then as a result, we found that uh, the miss reporting and, and incident reporting has actually gone up, uh, and they're getting a whole lot of more valuable data uh, as a result of that that simplification of focus. Now, once you get that data, um, it's really important to do something with it. So what we're, you know, a big challenge often is how do you make database decisions? And, and it's a really tricky thing to differentiate between data and data and opinion and perspective and at, at different times. So you know data, data, data is crucial. Um, and yeah really getting in behind the data and challenging well, what does that data actually tell us, and what decisions can we make with that with that data? Um, and and how do we adapt our plan and our decisions based on that data over time? and then how do we communicate what we're doing with that data and 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 ensure whether it's working or not working? An example of this again recently for one organization, we We went and did some cultural diagnostic work with them that told them uh, some of the areas of improvement. We then had a look at their incident data that they would collected. And what we had found is that um, the the top five or six critical risks, two of of their actual most significant critical risks, according to the data they were getting, weren't even part of their critical control framework. Um, And there was a whole lot of misunderstanding about the difference between injury potential and the actual consequence of incidents. And by getting into the data, looking at it from a different lens and interpreting it, we're able to tell a different story to the board and to the business, which has made much more high quality decisions, which has impacted on their serious injury fatality uh, uh, potential rate, as well as our overall LTI rate as well. Actively caring, again, safety is an opportunity for us to demonstrate care and create that sense of reciprocity. So, you know, going out there and you know, having conversations, you know, um, and, and, and promoting a culture that is psychologically and socially safe, so we can challenge one another, give each other feedback, and look for continuous improvement, is, is really, really crucial. Again, if we're expanding the definition of safety from being simply about physical safety to well-being or psychological and social safety, giving leaders the tools to be able to check in with one another, and also giving peers the tools to, and, and permission to check in with one another is, is really, really crucial. Uh, being curious. Um, so as leaders, we can get addicted to having all of the answers or feeling like we need to have all of the answers. What we've found that these more, uh, with organizations who've been able to break through that maturity threshold is that leaders in general are, are entering the space with a, I'm okay, you're okay, Headspace. And they're, and they're not making assumptions. They're not assuming they've got all the information. So that frame means that when they're out there engaging with people, they're able to look at incidents from different angles. They're able to put themselves in the shoes, and go, well, if I was in that position, may have I made a similar decision. They're able to sit to, to learn, you know, they're, they're able to go up to operators, been doing this for a bunch of years and say, tell us, you know, what's your take on this? What's your lens on this? How could we improve it? Um, there's a much more of a significant focus on playing the ball and not the person. So as opposed to focusing on that person's a frustrating person, it's about saying, well, this is a frustrating challenge or this is a this is a problem that we need to solve. Let's focus on that um, and, and the system of work that we're creating that sits around that. Uh, it's about seeing incidents as an opportunity to grow and, and a lot of this is about questioning the status quo. Again, it feeds nicely into data. Just because this is the way that we've always done it, is this the right way to do it? Uh, Making an impact, another significant one here. So this is about actually, a lot of this is about firstly doing something meaningful with the data that you get so that you're demonstrating that that you do actually care. But a lot of this is about thinking about safety as being more than just about work. What we know is that more than ever, people's work lives and home lives you know, they, they cross over, you know, and particularly with the psychosocial hazard right. conversations that we're having, uh, a big conversation is, well, you know, if someone's going through a, a personal crisis, how are we supposed to do something about that at work? But it is about viewing the person as a whole person, understanding that one doesn't operate independently of another and asking ourselves our 50% about how do we create a culture and a climate that can support people through their peaks and their troughs? Uh, it is also about you know, expanding that sense of corporate social responsibility from you know, to include ESG in general and, and being more mission and purpose uh, focused. And lastly, hunt the good stuff. Again, universally one of the most significant areas of opportunity across all the organizations that we work with, all the leadership assessments that we run, regardless of industry. Uh, leaders, uh, team members rate their leads. The, uh, leaders as this being one of their most significant areas of opportunity so you know when we hunt the good stuff we're going out they're going oh what's the potential of our people you know how do we focus on the presence of safety you know are we, are we walking past a whole lot of positive things that we could be reinforcing and, and supporting you know it's about going out and having positive conversations with people about you know what can we do to support and enable work it is about Acknowledging the experience of workers and bringing them in to find the right solution instead of focusing on top down. It's about building, uh, you know, in doing that, you can build the trust of your people. And it's about fundamentally having a frame that, you yeah, know, all people are imperfect, but, yeah at the core, we're well intentioned and we have the potential within our business to have an army of problem solvers as opposed to an army of problems. So uh, there'll be a whole lot of more webinars to come on, on unpacking some of these concepts. But you know, the data that we've pulled from, you know, particularly around the drivers of you know, a positive safety culture is really broad, as you can see here. 73 organization, uh, operational sites, eight industries, huge sample group. And you know, if we really want to shift from you know fo- heavy focuses on safety procedures, uh, a perception that management managers aren't. Um, aren't committed to safety, a sense that, you know, there's knee jerk reactions to safety, which is internal context, uh, a fear and blame culture, which drives a a lack of willingness to report incidents and areas and team members not feeling recognised for their positive safety contributions. We do need to take a different lens on the way we think about safety and safety culture. So I'm going to open up uh, for chat, uh, for questions um, in just a moment. Just while we're sort of enabling people to put any of those questions into the chat. Uh, we we shared the QR code a little bit uh, earlier on. If you'd like to be sent a link to this QR code, um, hit yes and we'll we'll shoot you a note after this. The way we're seeing a lot of organizations uh, using this tool is to start a conversation within their leadership team. So. It's a really easy to engage with fast tool that you can run with a group of leaders and then have a conversation about your respective results. You know, create a bit of dissonance. What do you think we're doing well? What do you think we're not doing now? Why do you think that's the case? Is there anything that we might need to dig into deeper as an organisation if we want to create a positive safety culture? So if you are thinking that you, you wouldn't mind getting a bit of a better finger on where your safety culture's at and you want to t- you want to start a bit of dissonance or a bit of a conversation within your business click yes um and obviously you don't don't need that sent to you just click no you can obviously also scan the qr code and you'll get linked to, uh, a link to the website as well uh the next opportunity here is if you, if you would like to get more information around a, a our safety climate survey process which is going to help inform uh, your strategy for creating a positive safety culture. Um, Hit yes and Fergus will be in touch and we can get you some more information around what it would look like to engage with that process. You can also go to our website, heaps of information on there. There's a resource called Driving a Positive Safety Culture, which also fleshes out some of those key drivers of of cultural maturing uh, in more detail that we just spoke about earlier. So, i give you some time to click yes or no to that. And I'll just take a quick look at our questions. If we've got any come through. All right. So, we've got a question here that says uh, if there is. Uh, no total buy-in from top management is very difficult to do much, just sweet words. Uh, People feel that deeply you can't mask and manipulate their care. You do or you don't. I wonder how many CEOs and board members watch this one today or will watch. Um, Yeah, 100%. And a lot of focus is often put on the C-suite and executive of organisations to create this change. Um, It starts at the board. my perspective uh, because of the role that boards play within a lot of organizations that we work with Um, so i think if you've got a challenging executive or you've got a challenging board um, you know sending them things like this is really useful obviously you've got some burning platforms around psychosocial hazards and things that they need to do something with at the moment also the critical control framework or critical risk can be another lever that you can pull to escalate that because there's obviously some potential personal, personal repercussions on those board members if they don't manage those risks adequately. Um, so yeah, good opportunity. Uh, if, if you are there, keep chipping away um, and obviously share resources like that if, if useful. Um, what is the difference between work culture and safety culture? Look, really good question. You can probably say that, that safety culture is, is a subcategory of, of a broader organizational culture. But, I think within a lot of the industries and organisations that we work with, they they really do deal with them in very much a similar sort of framework. So they because they say because again, safety is such a great universal kind of element. You can tie your values, you can tie your vision to it, you can demonstrate care, uh, and there's not a huge amount of difference in terms of leadership competencies, for example, is between safety leadership and general leadership. You might added innovation as a general leadership competency or you know there might be a couple of other differences, but that the overlap is really significant. So I think for heavy industries where you've got the uh where you've got the potential for serious harm or injury, you know, safety is just a, a really obvious and an you know, great opportunity to, to shift culture more broadly. Uh, next one, any guidance or suggestions on managing and supporting a positive safety culture, where it is uh, extremely difficult for management, visibility, rig sites um, internationally? Yeah, look, I, I think um, it's a good question because management safety commitment in our culture diagnostic results comes through often. As one of the most significant weaknesses for organisations, but often so will consultation and collaboration. So again, it depends on your organisational outcomes. But if you've got opportunities to to bring managers and teams together to solve specific and targeted problems, or get on working groups and and feel like they've got that that line of sight, particularly for those spread out sites, you know that may be another opportunity, you know? And, and if leaders can then conduct themselves in those forums in a, in a humble and positive way, you know, and engage with those key stakeholders from across the business, you do have the ability to create a, a positive sentiment. So I think it's about thinking outside the box for a lot of this safety management, perceived safety management commitment issue and going, okay, is it all just about managers being in the field or are there other mechanisms that we can use to help organize, to help team members come up with solutions and engage with those leaders in different forms. Um, so, I challenge you to have a think about that. Each organization's um, sort of situation is going to be a little bit different. Different there. Um, next one. Uh, care is an inner value. Can we teach to leaders, or is it something we do or we don't have? Um, look, I, 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 it's a tricky one. I, I think. I think one of the opportunities you've got with leadership and leadership groups is to leverage experience to create dissidents across a group. And I was with a group delivering a session on Tuesday uh, and there was a leader there who shared an experience where he he lost a dear friend due to a a motorbike accident. Uh, And then he also himself had been involved in some, some pretty you know high potential incidents um and he said that those experiences changed his life forever and and changed his lens of safety as well as attending some some of the programs like the ones that we run at centers i think the opportunity is if you can create a forum and, and i used to do this in drug and alcohol rehabilitation and in my other clinical settings if you can create a forum where you're having a conversation about a common topic but you're asking people to share their lenses on that you can create huge kind of light bulb moments for people who, who who perhaps viewed the world in one way, but now can view it in a completely different way because they've been given someone else's context. Um, so we often talk about the concept of safety as a cost or safety as a currency. I still remember one of the programs I ran in, in South Africa where you know one of the leaders um, shared you know the moment when he had to knock on someone's door and inform the family of, of yeah, one of the team members who didn't get to go home from work that day. And the chill that went across the room and some of the younger people, you know, coming up and talking to him afterwards and, you know, and, and the passion and obviously the, the, the imprint that had created for him was so significant. So I think if you're finding that there's a sense that people don't care, there will be people who do care. And you know, as, a, you know, as leaders and as a business, we can tell people all day, you, you gotta care, you gotta care, you gotta care. But what will make the impact is the stories in the space. So facilitating environments where people can share stories, have a space and undergo what we call a reframing process around safety is you, know, you can get some pretty big impacts on that pretty quickly and you can create some value uh, I think around safety. All right, um, just to see if there's any more questions that
1: are popping up here.
0: Um, I think we've captured. Um, there is just a little bit of feedback, Anthony. So when you said, thanks, Anthony, very good discussion on how to change the safety culture we'll definitely taking on some of your recommendations in my day-to-day work as a health and safety advisor. And also from Alexander, thank you. Agree with many of this. I hear this regularly from many workers that I try and train, embed a safety focused mind that needs to be shared when they go back into their workplace. Um, And I will add, please stay tuned for that email later um, with the link to the event page. It will have the slides on and a video and a podcast, which is great for sharing. Um, You might wanna share it with some of those um, directors and board members too. 100%. Look, thank you for really thoughtful questions. Uh, Really appreciate everyone's input. That adds a lot of value to the conversation more broadly. And thanks again for having us, Sarah. Always a pleasure. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for coming. Thank you. There's another one tomorrow, by the way, 9.30 in the morning. We had to squeeze two in this week. So that'll be um, Kelvin again from Art of Work. So thank you, everyone. Bye. All
1: right. Thank you. Bye.